and welcome to Unwritten Imaginings, where lazy authors talk about story ideas that they'll never get around to writing. New episodes every Sunday. Let us know if you use one of our ideas and we'll give your story a shout out in a subsequent episode. Get a free stuffed animal with the writing and publishing of any of our ideas. And we will uh, carry out on that because uh, Eunice does have the stock here, as far as I'm aware. Although yeah. if 300, 400 people start writing them, you know, I suspect that'll be an issue. It's fine. It takes me like five minutes to crochet like a little little slime if you want one. I see. I see. You would have to give us a valid mailing address, though. So There is that. All right. Introductions. Hi, I'm Eunice. I write uh, fantasy with a hefty dose of romance. My Myers-Briggs personality type is INTP or INTJ, depending on the day. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm Atheo, author of um, a vast majority of series that pretend to be other series. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good one. All, I think everything I write pretends to be another genre for about half of it, at least. My MBTI does not change based on the day. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to leave you to figure out which one it is. All right. Uh, today, though, we do have, as uh, has been the schedule, actually, a guest. So do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm T. Marcos. I write fantasy and science fiction, uh, notably the stories Grand Design and Inheritors of Eschaton on Royal Road. And it has been a very long time since I took the Myers-Briggs test, but I believe I was an ENFP. Nice. All right. Good time. So <laughs> given that this is a guest episode, uh, we will be going with whatever you've got to bring to the table. So let's hear it. All right. So... A little bit of background. This was a an idea that was shopped around a little bit on the HFY server, which I don't know. Do you guys have? Can I curse on this podcast? You can. Yeah. Okay. So that is the uh, the the Discord for the Humanity Fuck Yeah subreddit, which is a fun little writing group. But we we've been tossing this around for a while, and uh, the working title for it is unrequited and it starts off as sort of a subversion of the classic sort of harem isekai genre where you've got a very improbable sequence of events that lands your protagonist in a bunch of very awkward relationships with colorful characters except in this case the protagonist wants nothing to do with it and tries very very hard to escape all of the um the plot threads being thrown at him with limited success. Of course it's limited okay. success. Why else would we be writing about this person? Come on. <laughs> so the the uh, the backstory that we sort of settled on was that he's actually got some... It's the classic son of a demon living in the real world to sort of uh, grow up away from all the madness of hell thing. But circumstances arise and he gets tossed into your generic like purposefully generic isekai fantasy land and he is horrified to discover that all of his various um, sort of succubus derived powers are waking up which would present a very awkward scenario for him. He manages to keep a lid on it, gets himself to an isolated little cottage sort of on the outskirts of a village 
But what he doesn't realize is that the, um, the magic system that's in charge of this world got a look at him before he had everything under control and is head over heels for him. And now it's doing everything that it can to make sure everybody else loves him too. Oh no, this sounds like a disaster <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> and so he wakes up. I think that this is actually enough to get started on. Yeah. Like as much as as much as shopping an idea is sort of interesting, if you come with something a little bit too prepared, it sort of defeats the point. Oh yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> so, do you think that's enough to go on, or would you like to continue with the rest of it? Anything else that you're particularly attached to? Yeah, that you want because to remember that anything sure you lay out here really... is likely to be like a definitive part of the system. It doesn't mean it necessarily has to be, but it's likely to be definitive and not something that we can play with or change. Um, I don't think that there's too much that deserves a mention in the start. Yeah. I mean, there's some stuff that I can, I can come in with if you guys, uh, want a little bit extra to chew on, but I think that's pretty much the entire, the entire start of it. Okay. So, yeah. So we have a guy, he's the son of the demon King. And then he has seductive powers. And then is is this like supposed to be like a lit RPG where his class is some kind of yeah, seductive I was, class? That that was the initial conception where like uh, he wakes up the next morning and there is a note on his pillow saying that his, he has been evaluated. The evaluation is complete, and he's been awarded the class of ideal incubus. Passive skill is ideal love. Active skill is ideal lover. The note is scented and smells faintly of perfume with an XOXO scribbled on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. That doesn't seem strange at all. No, I, I actually love that. Because I think the interesting thing to that one is that you can open it up with just pure disbelief. Like, excuse me? What do you mean by that? And then you can just, you know, sort of pop something in uh, in response to that. I think interesting, like a way to make things interesting is have the world be actively responsive, but unable to sort of reach out directly without being asked for something or without something being done. So a window can't just randomly pop up. But if you, I don't know, stomp on a demon rabbit because it's, you know, a little RPG then it can give you a pop-up and throw some extra information into that pop-up just because. Yeah, I've always liked the mm -hmm. idea of having to have a condition for that sort of thing where you, you have to fulfill some sort of basic requirement in order for the system to intervene. But in this case, it would be looking to sort of give him the benefit of the doubt as it saw it, you know, it wants to intervene as much as possible because it wants to help them out. So there could be a requirement, mm -hmm. but it could also just be totally something the system sort of pays attention to when it wants to and skirts the rules on a lot. Or at least free writes the rules a little bit to be more interesting. Well, one of the, one of the little things that we had shopped around was the idea that he would randomly get points in seduction for doing the most mundane things and it would be a constant irritation to him would say hi to somebody mundane for him or mundane in reality 
Those are two very different things, as I've come to understand. Like, I can see him, like, actively trying to avoid seducing anyone, but, like, even if he does something, like, like if, if he bumps into someone and says sorry, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he gets a point, and he's like, I'm just being a normal person! <laughs> and getting really mad at the system, or, like, if, he, if somebody drops something and he picks it up for them, they just automatically fall in love with him. <laughs> he ends up, like, having to basically become like a recluse who's like constantly wearing a hood to hide his facial features because he's just too beautiful. (laughs) Yes, but then he realizes then he's got the dark, mysterious stranger thing going on. See, but now he's got the dark, mysterious stranger thing going on and he's a recluse in the woods, which makes it the perfect opportunity for the system to start sending quests of people who go by the area and suddenly end up in danger and then he's not an asshole. So, like, he saves them because, you know, they're nearby and it's not that difficult. (laughs) Yeah, and then, like, his ultimate goal would be to, like, break out of his class by forming a platonic relationship with someone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I think that there is there's potential for somebody that figures it out and actively on their end tries to avoid becoming a romantic interest because they know that nothing will kill the relationship faster i see so this is like a romance within a romance where right and in order to (laughs) get the guy the person has to not fall in love with them immediately (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They have to dodge all of the romance flags and make themselves look okay. as non-threatening as possible so that he doesn't run away screaming. Oh, no. I like it. So, first off, let's just make this a straight romance to make it more commercially viable. Let's make the girl, like, you know, like, she's just like, let's make her something really exotic. Well, you did say, um... Like, generic fantasy, so it sort of depends on what you mean by exotic. Because, like, I'd be okay with just being like, okay, so when we said generic fantasy, we actually mean a fantasy world where literally anything that you would ever see in a fantasy has a chance of, like, being at least close to something that's in this world. Yeah. I mean, let's just lean into the harem tropes. Like, let's make it a cat girl. (laughs) Another one? Didn't we already do one of these? We, we did do a cat girl. Um, what else is a classic? I mean, you could just go with dog girl. That one's well known as well. Okay, we'll do a, a dog girl. And then, but like, she's on a quest to make herself as ordinary as possible. So like, she like hides her ears, dyes her pink hair to be like brown. <laughs> what else? Tries to like, get fat or like, I don't know. Just be, like, more ordinary. All the stuff that he's trying, except in her case, it works. <laughs> because the world isn't actively conspiring against her. Yet. And then, you know, you can have some, like, pretty funny scenes where, like, the guy's, like, magical seduction powers are absolutely working on her. But she's, like, trying really hard to pretend to be acting normal. <laughs> I think the big thing that I kind of question here is are we going to make this like they stay in the woods for the entire book or do we want them to have to go somewhere or do something 
Well, I think the system's actively conspiring to get them out of the woods. Yeah, I would say his goal is probably to get back to the regular world and back to his life, his ordinary life. So, like, and and then the, the dog girl wants to help him. So she has to convince him that it's, like, safe to come out of the woods. Because it's, like, he can't accomplish anything in the woods. He's just, like, been kind of forced into hiding there by the mobs of of women trying to have sex with him. <laughs> now, I think this is everybody, everybody. Women and men. <laughs> Everybody's just trying to have sex with him. And the system is the antagonist here. It's not like he can avoid anything by staying isolated. Things will come to him. Uh, it's just a matter of how outlandish they have to be to land in his lap. Yeah, like it's to the point where the system gives him like a pheromone skill. So like he doesn't even have to do anything. <laughs> Well, that sounds like an ongoing disaster if they have to go through multiple places. But he hears of a, what, uh, some kind of magical place that grants wishes or has some kind of neutralizing power, something like that. Something like a system center, I think, would work. Like, there's this huge orb, I don't know, that just floats in the air. And as long as you're within a certain radius of the orb, the system has no effect on you and you can make up to a certain number of changes to the system. So he's trying to hack the system? Or at least get it to leave him alone. Because he'd be uh, perfectly comfortable to live without the help of the system within that radius, you know? Most people wouldn't. Wait, do we have a reason why the system's so obsessed with him? Because he had his power on full blast before he uh, got it under control, and the system was the only one that was observing him during that time. So he thought he was alone. He wasn't trying to keep it in until he realized that his powers were turned on and there were other people around. But the system uh, was observing, got it full blast, and is now obsessed. Okay, so he, he accidentally seduced the system. Yeah, and now it's like the Yandere antagonist. I see. Except, like, the system isn't jealous. The system is trying to get as many people to fall for him as possible. Well, everybody should love him. The only thing that would okay. piss the system off if somebody act, like actually displayed malice or antagonism or even mild dislike towards the guy that'd be un unforgivable so at this point i have an idea it kind of goes against what we've been doing so far a little bit but at the same time i'm entertained by it so i'll just run it by you guys so we were obviously like gunning for a romantic relationship here but you know not everybody necessarily uh, cares about that very much. What I think would be interesting here is sort of running it as I, I guess it's a little bit of a reconstruction of like the harem that you said it was based on. In this case, specifically what I'm talking about is instead of having just the one girl who sticks with him, it becomes basically like a sort of anti-harem where the people he keeps around him are the people who he's just friends with. Everybody else has romantic or sexual interest in him, but that's not uh, something that he's here for. So instead, it becomes a small group of people who are just friends, or at least just act like friends. And then everybody else is the ones who are interested in him. Okay. I like that. I think that's a, that, that is a solid way to do an anti-harem, is that it's not just the, the random people that fall into his lap that are, for some reason, interested. It's the random people that fall into his lap that, for some reason, aren't. 
and then they would draw down a lot of malice from the system because the system thinks that's unforgivable yeah but meanwhile he thinks that that's absolutely great so he'll go to the absolute ends of the earth to keep up with them yeah i like it so then we're we're gonna have to come up with like more more cliche harem people um (laughs) i think the scenarios are are what's important more than the the people themselves like that's not how harem stories work. Well, yes. Harem stories are almost entirely character-driven. I mean, like, they have to have different different colors of hair. They have to have different <laughs> hip-to-waist ratios, shall we say? Uh, it depends on exactly how Japanese we're getting with this. <laughs> the point in time we're listing down blood types. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, man. There's a limited number of blood types! Well, okay. Not important. Um, if if we're gonna add some fantasy races, you know, it's got to be like an elf in there, um, some kind of lowly character. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> I think it would be interesting to have an actual demon, like, since that's part of his thing too. But it's a demon from a different power system, so they have entirely different disparate uh, abilities. And he keeps making assumptions about them, and they're entirely incorrect every time. It could be, like, a demon that's based on a different, you know, like, it's like a wrath demon. So it just, like, doesn't feel attracted to him. And he's like, yes! Or it could be a succubus, and it's not that she isn't attracted to him, but it's that there's no difference in how she treats him versus anybody else. That sort of works. Or, like, she doesn't find him a good energy source because he's, like, better at absorbing like if it becomes like a tug of war between them if if they try and generate energy (laughs) yeah she could actually want to be in the group for the same reason he does like she's just there to like absorb (laughs) all the commiserate with all the people who he rejects oh she's she's the remora she's just picking up the (laughs) the yeah she's just absorbing all the lust the rebound generates yeah exactly She gets great energy off of taking his rebounds, and she's okay with that. Yeah, but she doesn't actually want him because he would steal her energy. <laughs> I like it. I actually really like that character because she'd be kind of hilarious in that she'd essentially be the wingman to the rejection. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's doing her absolute best to make sure that he rejects them. <laughs> Exactly. Which, of course, he's a huge fan of, but... <laughs> yeah. He's very much relieved when she, like, pops up to, like, seduce whoever's trying to hit on him. <laughs> that could even be just, like, straight-up physical comedy. Like, somebody's trying to get close to him, and she throws herself in between them like she's jumping on a grenade. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, thank you, and then runs away. <laughs> All right. I like that. A shapeshifter who you can never tell, like, who exactly they are. They just have, like, no tells whatsoever. And their whole their whole shtick and the reason that they become friends with him is just because, like, they find him interesting because, like, he keeps running into a bunch of uh, interesting people of different types. So they have a whole lot to go off of of all the people that he's met. And, you know, he's just kind of fun to be around as well. And then the shapeshifter just makes a game of essentially, like, pretending to be somebody else and like becoming friends with him and then just like going oh sorry it's me again I got you (laughs) that's the thing that she does 
They do. You know, they don't really have uh, he or she pronouns because they just swap back and forth. Okay. And then sometimes they take, like, his shape just to screw with things. (laughs) (laughs) But every time they do that, everybody else could just be like, he's hideous. Oh. Whenever his uh, powers, whenever his powers, like, start to get in the way of, like, you know, turning somebody down, they uh, swap out for a while. So the shapeshifter pretends to be him so that the shapeshifter in his form can reject somebody and, like, make them think that he actually rejected them and be okay with that. Yeah. Let's see, who else do we have? Well, I think if you have the the token evil teammate in the demon, you have to have the token good teammate. See, what if the... Actually, we didn't really discuss the demon at all. What if the demon is, like, a demon of wrath or whatever? But, like, Mm -hmm. they're sort of in a... Yeah, I mean... I was angry for no reason, but, like, then I started to look around at what people were doing to each other, and now, now I'm angry for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially becoming, like, you know, a justified wrath demon. <laughs> a justice wrath demon. I'll smite you for good. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Sort of the disaffected hippie demon. Exactly. The paladins could come and slap you down, and then you'd just get back up again. But I'm not about that slapping you down, life. I'm going to put you in the ground! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And I think having, then, one of the the paladins, or at least some representative of authority, would be a good riff for them at that point. Yeah, just trying to be like, no, no, we do not murder people. That's not justice. (laughs) I never said it was justice. I just said I was mad at you. (laughs) Yeah, I think it would be good to have one of the anti-harem be like a paladin who just has like such strong holy powers that she's immune to his seductive powers. Notionally, I think that there should definitely be some moments of questioning that yeah but like the the system continues to like upgrade his seductive powers because they're like there's someone who's immune to my beloved's like charisma never i I have an idea the system could get mad at the god actually no what i was gonna say is instead what happens is she has such like strong connection to her god that like it sort of wraps around her like an aura and protects her in return, the god gets hit full blast. <laughs> the god falls in love with it. So, one of the initial ideas was to have sort of a Zeus-type god running around. Oh, no. Doing <laughs> Zeus-type things. No. Just sort of showing up as like a particularly uh, flamboyant, you know, tree or rock or bull in a field. Or all the other shenanigans Zeus got up to. But then also to have the, the Hera god who is very disapproving of shenanigans and i think that the paladin being the hera god faction would be particularly funny because they can be a paladin of the order of anti-shenanigans paladins (laughs) (laughs) whose god is suddenly very interested in shenanigans yeah (laughs) there could be like a whole order that like sees him as a as like a target that needs to be purified (laughs) Except that they keep going on about, like, he's a target who needs to be purified. And then, like, every time they show up, they go on these, like, really long, um, 
like sermons about how he's a target who needs to be purified and then you just like you just subtly slip innuendo into everything they're saying yeah they're describing him you know his evil demeanor and his seductive powers and his chiseled jaw and his you know <laughs> and then and then they they end up having to retreat because like the they're not the rest of them aren't immune <laughs> so they're like oh he, he's beaten us again and then they run away <laughs> it is a setup that allows for quite a bit of shenanigans oh i think ineffective paladins are always kind of humorous and then they always co- it, it, they'll end up being like team rocket in pokemon like just <laughs> they, show, they show up they they do something dumb they get beaten they run away <laughs> And occasionally there's a Greater Scope villain who shows up and then they just help out the heroes because, like, you know, Greater Scope villain, obviously. It's not like they like you or anything. <laughs> that would actually be uh, an interesting inclusion to have a, a villain, like the local demon lord or whatever, and have him sort of commiserate about, oh, yes, yeah, sometimes the system just does this to you. Not exactly the same in his case, but, you know, oh, the system gets it in their head that they want to do this or that, and you just kind of have to deal with it for a while. Oh, what did the system get in its head about you? Well, I mean, it, it wanted me dead. Why did it want you dead? I think it had something to do with the 100,000 slaves or something. <laughs> yeah, amicable, but very evil. Still very evil. I mean, he does have evil cred. He is a demon at the end of the day. Yeah. And then, you know, like, he meets a demon where it's like has a reputation for you know being like the worst of because he likes to like torture and steal people's souls and things like that and he's like i just had like one bad day where i said like one thing uh while angry and now he waves at like this fortress of death where there's like miles of <laughs> n- unlife around him and there's nothing but zombies the walls are literally built out of skulls <laughs> Yeah, and he's like, I I can't even have my own garden because nothing will grow within 10 leagues of me. <laughs> I mean, the system just gave him an evil class because that's how he came off. Yeah. So you work with what you got. When all you have is evil powers, then you make do. Um, so, you know, if you want to make this a very extended, like, uh, web fiction, you could... He could go on mini arcs where he helps out other people that the system has screwed over. He essentially milks the way that the system interacts with him so that every time the system like tries to punish them, he makes sure that that punishment is going to be like the opposite of whatever their problem is. Just like somebody who's uh, locked down. Then then our main character is just like locked down and can't move because of their class or whatever. Uh, the main character is like, well... I mean, it would be impossible to have a relationship if he couldn't move, so I'm sorry, I can't. And then he just, like, walks away. Yeah, he, like, manipulates the system into breaking their restrictions if it wants to keep his his class powers intact, I guess. Or he could just, you know, make puppy dog eyes up at the sky, turn on the <laughs> Giga Sparkle Cannon, and, uh, <laughs> and the system sort of just relents every once in a while and says, oh, okay. It makes you happy. Please. (laughs) But it, like, kills him inside whenever he has to do that. Exactly. But he does it because he he wants... He's a good guy, you know? (laughs) And, of course, that would be really hard on his companions, too, right? Like, he's going full-bore 
100% romantic interest on the universe. And they're just standing right <laughs> beside him going like, eh. Yeah, they're, they're like desperately trying to like not throw themselves at him <laughs> every single time. Even if it's the one situation in which he might forgive them. They're just like, they end up like just like falling on the ground twitching. <laughs> That's like the only way. Like, no, I'm, I'm fine. Just need to walk it off. You know, you can add some like self-flagellation in there. <laughs> From the paladin, yeah. From the paladin, it's like, must stay pure. <laughs> just bashing themselves in the head with their religious symbol that they wear around their neck. <laughs> Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> He's like, are you okay? He's like, don't talk. Don't, you freaking voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I like I like this setup. Um, do we want to make like a general plot or do we just want to essentially say, hey, you have some characters. You can just, any, any place where you can make them bounce off of each other, that'll work fine. Um, you know, I think he he should go on a generic quest-style adventure to gather the pieces of the magical key or jewel or generic Japanese plot uh, <laughs> to, to get to the end of the system where he can fix his powers and maybe get home. I do think it would be sort of interesting if he was gathering up all these pieces. He gets in and he's like, my one wish... Is to be sent home. And then the system is like, so I can't actually do that. Um, <laughs> you know, he could like pull an Inuyasha and just wish for the system to disappear. <laughs> I wish I actually like recognized it more because I'm aware of the existence of Inuyasha, but I have not actually. Oh, yeah. It, you know, there's a magical jewel that grants any wish, so but it makes everyone evil and fight over it. So in the end, they just wish for it to disappear. That's a fair choice. He could do that. Then he's just, like, left in a regular world. I mean, he's still, like, devastatingly handsome, but at least, you know, he's not releasing, like, sex pheromones. <laughs> that sounds like a fun epilogue. Yeah, it has to be something where he, he ends up, you know, confronting the system and kind of breaking everybody free because like at the end of the day you think about how exhausting it would be to have the universe trying to pigeonhole you into whatever it thought your most prominent trait was oh yeah and for yeah. most people it doesn't even care to make sure that that's getting it right right exactly so he could run into a lot of people like the evil overlord who's like i had one evil day and i have the power to explode people's skulls with a, a glance that's not a useful power even. Like, and I can't really even turn it off that much. Like, I'm surprised that your head hasn't exploded, but I imagine it has something to do with this whole nonsense going around that I've heard about. I need to keep a blindfold on 90% of the time, so it just makes me blind, otherwise people's heads explode. I haven't made eye contact with someone in five years. <laughs> you know how One bad day, is? I swear. <laughs> And I just threatened to make somebody's head explode. I didn't actually do it. You know, until the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, like, a general plot of learning that people are all very dissatisfied with the system. Like, they think yeah. it's just this capricious, uncaring thing that keeps trying to put them in a box. 
pigeonholes them. And yeah, so the overall message is about individuality and self-expression and that people are not one dimensional. <laughs> and then of course, at the very end, you could get together with the, um, the B plot love interest that's been sort of stealthing alongside him the entire time. And they could have that moment where they realize and then like, oh, but I'm so tired. I'm just going to go off and do something else for a little while. <laughs> See? Yeah, no, that's an option. You know, he just goes relax. I always feel weird here because I'm always for the poly ending here, you know? It's like, hey, if everybody in involved in this is aware of what's going on and is okay with it, then, like, that's what a poly ending is for. Come on. Yeah, but you, you leave it open to, like, you know, now they have a basis to actually do stuff like go forward with their relationship uh without having the system with its finger on the scale the entire time yeah right so i think leaving the door open is probably the best case scenario for that because i think if if you as the author go on and develop that then after that plot i think you're taking on the role of, of the villain you gotta gotta leave them to their own devices and say the story ends here because we're <laughs> they've earned it at this point oh yeah no obviously yeah i mean it it's up to whoever writes this how they want to end it after the system turns off all the powers i would say you know most of the group probably does break up because like for instance like the succubus would just leave because there's no more there's very little lust being generated well, and, uh, I would assume that they're still friends at this point, just given how long they've been together. But maybe that's just a me thing. Well, no, I mean, I think they respect each other and everything. But if the succubus was just there for the, you know, the reject uh, cue. Then, yeah, succubus was like, I mean, girls got to eat. Yeah, it's been a it's a it's been a it's been a, a hoot. Is that is that the. <laughs> that's not typically the colloquial term but i'm fairly certain that everyone will understand you um and then you know like the paladin then becomes like the head of her order because she has like purified the greatest threat to chastity that has ever existed on this earth ah <laughs> uh, yes that's exactly what happened there uh-huh <laughs> Um, you know what? We're just not going to talk about it. <laughs> That'd be funny if they they all got really weird and awkward and reticent about it, like the paladins did, because the folks that are higher up know that their goddess has suddenly gotten very conflicted and started sending mixed messages. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the ones that communicate directly with the goddess are like, um... Yeah, I'm not quite sure what the precepts of our order are anymore. <laughs> Frankly, I think we might need to re-examine the whole thing. Um, probably worth rebuilding, but probably not how it was before. <laughs> and it, they end up just, like, dumping it on, on the paladin who was in his party. They're like, you know what, I, I'm stepping down. <laughs> but, you know, there would be, like, a couple of people that like you know actually like him and like you could do whatever you want in the end or you could leave it ambiguous so that your fan base can just write a lot of fan fiction and constantly argue with each other for the rest yeah, of eternity exactly because that is how you get popular <laughs> actually i think that it would be 
it would be super sweet to have the ending where his powers get turned off and he can walk around and notice, notice that like nobody's paying attention to him except for you know one or several members of the group and then he realizes that they still are because they're actually his friends yeah that's always a fun message to end out on it's like hey this whole thing was an unmitigated disaster from beginning to end but frankly i'm glad you guys were in it with me <laughs> i mean say, say it together the real treasure is not the friends we made along the way <laughs> <laughs> it's so cliche but you know what it's fun and it's always worth it's an entire thing about cliches not every cliche is is worth it but that one is I mean, you have to indulge occasionally if you have a genre-savvy protagonist, which he definitely has has to be, or at least he would be by the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If he was uh, not genre-savvy by the end, I'd frankly have more questions. That actually might be worth doing a time skip so that you could have this sort of undefined period while he's still figuring things out that he can constantly reference back to with, like, these anecdotes where he that's what i was thinking in between the um in between him like appearing and accidentally seducing the system and the first one of his travel party appearing in the in the hut he built out in the middle of nowhere you could easily have that time be like his figuring stuff out time yeah where he develops his like coping tactics in his fortress of solitude his fortress of solitude that's very small because he had to build it alone or you could have him like visit the you know, the library of all knowledge, which just ends up having a computer that links to, like, TV tropes. And then he's, like, just like, oh, my God. <laughs> that sounds like a very, very entertaining for, like, an absolute, like, screwball world. Is like, it's a super, it's a super fantasy world. And then, like, halfway through, like, there's just a computer in it. And, like, it links to some stuff in the real world. And you're just like, um... Does someone want to explain to me? And then he's just like, you know, stumbling from like hot spring to the deserted temple to just like the most tropey locations. And then he's looking at his map and like none of these locations are on it. (laughs) (laughs) But they just manifested just for him. Who are the cartographers? Yeah, it's like why? Why is there a beach? We're in the middle of the continent. <laughs> We're in the middle of a desert. Why is there a beach? Just nobody ever found this lake before, says the system, looking away very suspiciously. <laughs> it's like wasn't wasn't there a mountain here before? <laughs> like, no. What is a mountain but an upside down hole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it basically can just invent whatever it likes to try and usher the plot along that it thinks should be happening you know and then there's just suddenly a snowstorm and then they go inside and and the system's like well now you're gonna have to take off your wet clothing (laughs) (laughs) and of course everywhere they go there's like you know oh help my marriageable daughter has been abducted by goblins or whatever and he's like oh god damn it (laughs) not again (laughs) Look, I'm tired of the goblin pot line. Come up with some new monsters. Oh, man. And then, yeah, just like misfortune just befalls all of the eligible women wherever he goes. It's like, oh, my carriage broke down. Again, don't bother with just women. Come on. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, it has to be everybody, and this should haunt him. Like, he has to, you know, he meets the mayor, who is a elderly gentleman with a big bushy mustache and everything, and he looks in his eyes, and he knows that the mayor is thinking it. <laughs> is thinking it. And it weighs on him. It, it gets old. <laughs> um, you know, he tries, like, various masks, but, uh, yeah, they all just add to his mystique. Alright, I do think we have enough of an episode unless you guys have anything you guys want to add at the end. Do a quick skim through the the working doc and see if we missed anything particularly good. Any cliches we want to throw in there particularly? I figure most cliches occur in the moment, you know, other than the real treasures were the friends we made along the way. Sometimes I, I want to write like a like a short story or something. Where the, where the joke is that, like, the real treasures were the friends we made along the way. But it's, like, literal. You made friends with something, and it turns out that they were actually just, like, a bag of gold that was uh, temporarily turned into a person. <laughs> That's not weird at all. There's, there's a market for excessively literal tropes, I think. It's intentionally weird, you know? Okay, I don't know. I just want to make it clear. It's very important that everyone has different colored hair. <laughs> Uh, and that's what this fantasy world is for, so that everybody can have different hair colors. Yeah, yeah demons it's... can have red hair and like different forms of red hair. So that's where you get your pink-haired um, person and purple and blue. I think the paladin is stuck being gold or yellow. That seems to be the obligatory yeah. palette. Uh, you make it like that, that like near white blonde. Oh yes, that's platinum blonde, isn't it? I'm not remembering wrong. Platinum or, or toe-headed. Yeah, except, like, I never know what Toehead means, so just... I have never even heard that before. You see it in um, older... Like, it kind of fell out of fashion halfway through the uh, the 20th century, but you see it in older literature a lot. It's because nobody knows what Toe is anymore. <laughs> Honestly, I think Platinum Blonde pushed it out of the vernacular. It's a nicer... It's a, Yeah, because, you know, Platinum is, like, valuable... Well, and people understand it instinctively what it means. Like, oh, it's like blonde, but shinier. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to look at the trend lines for it, but like now the usage. Now we're going on an etymology adventure. Not etymology. That's where things always end up. Dictionary.com doesn't tell me what toe. Probably because toe is just a word. Toe, the fiber of flax, hemp, or jute. So, you know. Some kind of plant fiber that's pale. Oh, okay. So Toehead was actually basically not used at all up until the, the early 1800s. Hit its popularity spike in 1900. Went back down wildly. Uh, nobody used it up until the past 10 years where it appears to have been rediscovered. That's very oh. odd. I, I wonder if that's just... I actually have no explanation for that. Because I would yeah. have told you it was re- kind of archaic at this point. Uh, Platinum Blonde was started getting used in the 1930s and then absolutely exploded as of 2000. That makes sense. Well, I think we have a good story. I think it would be funny. And I think uh, you would get readers if you wanted to write it. So do so. I think it would be entertaining as well. Do so. Oh. Email us at unwrittenimagining. No, wait. Guess. Nope. What's the what's the email address? Listeners at com. 
we did change that email at one point uh you may have heard in earlier episodes where that was getting dubbed in yeah <laughs> that uh it turns out that certain emails are are good for this sort of thing and certain emails are very weird so listeners at unwrittenimaginings.com um if they want to contact our guest or view our guest's works where would they find those i post mostly on royal road can i give you guys a link to post up or yeah yeah that'll go in your uh, host bio at unwrittenimaginings.com All right. um you'll you'll have a guest bio yeah i am i am t marcos on royal road all right that's fairly simple you can also find my writing on royal road if you want to and atheos or some of his because he's mysterious about some of his other writing i have three writing names okay mm-hmm. and two of them are never ever going to point <laughs> back to anything resembling the primary one that i use that would be atheo as i said very mysterious not in it for the mystery i just i keep certain types of work separate and uh yeah so i think uh that's everything i'll sign off and say bye i believe it is too so see you next week Thank you.